This is the Daily Practice Podcast with Crystal Borelli and Andrea Hellman. Harium, Harium, Harium. I don't understand free will. I've listened to like scientists talk about it. I've listened to like it's one of like the big philosophical questions. Yeah. Like whether it's real, whether it's an illusion. Well, it's all an illusion. Yeah. This okay. Whole well, thing is an illusion. Explain it to us then. How can I explain this? This is how I perceive it. So you might be able to control my body, but you don't have my mind and you don't have my spirit. So you can be locked away um, for a long period of time, let's say, like in jail or imprisoned in some way. And physically you might be contained, but you can't take my inner spirit away from me that, that I have full control of. I mean, people can try and they can manipulate and all the things, but I, as I understand it, free will is that you have a choice to suffer. Kind of like what Buddha said, like, um, it's a, to live is to suffer, but suffering is a choice. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, that's a whole other conversation to unpack, but that's kind of how I see it. You don't always get to choose your experience of what happens to you, but you can choose your happiness within that experience. The power of choice to choose the darkness or the light. And that's kind of how I see it. No matter how much abuse or how much, there's always that spark of light. And that light, that spark of divinity, of being the sovereign being, of being this embodiment of God that can't be taken. Mm -hmm. Only you have that power within you and people can try and they can definitely suppress the spirit and suppress you and many things, but ultimately you can prevail. And I think that's ingrained in us as a part of being embodied. Mm -hmm. I think like the first time I ever heard of like that concept or even thought about it was Nelson Mandela because I can't remember when he got released. You hear about that, like people being imprisoned and, and you know, people bring, giving prayer to their food and, and being like, you might have my body, but you can't break my spirit. And maybe it's so that we can survive, like really survive those moments the focus of this podcast mm -hmm. is shifting perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the reason why we want to do a podcast together, everything that we've sort of been creating was because of that first podcast that we did here a couple years ago, like right before the pandemic. One thing that I definitely missed within that was like having these conversations and, and talking about things and like shifting like my perspective. Krishmacharya, he's known as like the grandfather of yoga he says that yoga is the practice of shifting old negative patterns of thinking into new positive patterns of thinking or something like that. So it's taking a situation and seeing it one way, but then perhaps um, sh switching it and seeing it in another way to shed a little bit more light or find a little bit more, um, not even just clarity, but something that feels like well, a different way of seeing it. So you're basically lifting your awareness out of a little bubble and perhaps by look step, sometimes stepping out of the situation or out of it, you can see the bigger picture and then you can see that, you know, there might have been a purpose for that, which there usually always is a purpose for any type of hardship or shadow. That's the great teachings of everything. And then from there, you know, there can be some peace or light or space or healing mm -hmm. that can come from that. I also think hindsight 
you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like when you can be back here looking at the whole mm-hmm. scene, like then it does make a lot of sense. But it's like, how do you stay so like grounded and connected in the present moment to actually see that in real time? I think that's one thing that I really struggle with. Mm-hmm. There's this saying that everything is perfect as of now. And as of now, everything is perfect. That's a nice one. Yeah. So, <laughs> and this goes back to the very first Yoga Sutra 1.1, Atta Yoga Nushasana, which is now begins the practice of yoga, now begins the guidance of yoga. So every moment in this moment, and it now there's a moment, now there's a moment, every, you know, every second there's a new moment. So it's like in that moment, how, how do you view it? And can you see that right now, instead of worrying about the past, the body, this is cool, the body lives in the past, the mind lives in the future and the breath is in the present moment. So by breathing long, deep breaths and that sigh and shifting, maybe it's like a lion's breath, maybe it's the breath of joy, kind of shifting the energy a little bit to be grounded, you know, so that you can see that this moment of now, everything is okay, right? Mm. And everything trusting, there's so much of trust in the universe, like that everything is going to work out. Like I stress about money quite a, a bit. Mm. And I've always been Let's fine. talk about that. No, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, what is your negative uh, pattern uh-huh. that you're constantly at war with or at ends with? Yeah. Well, this goes back to like kar- a karmic why I'm here for, to heal. Mine is um, being seen, uh, my light to be seen, my worth self-worth that I'm deserving and that's like a old belief system from like five years old that I've kind of replay and I'm getting better at it recognizing when it's coming to the surface and then um, being able to choose in that moment if I'm going to continue to run that program or if I'm going to be like thank you that's an old way of being I'm going to choose to be seen in this moment you know and I'm, I'm slowly shifting that pattern the other one is financially so that financial like I stress every once in a while I'll have a moment of like Oh shit. <laughs> you know, there, there's chunks of bills that go out and then you're like, Ooh, there's not as much coming in this, you know, this week or whatever. And I think that comes in hand in hand with being like a private contractor or sole proprietor. It's a little bit, you feel like you're hustling all the time. Yeah. Right. You probably, you're, yeah, but it's a vicious cycle. Cause mm-hmm. then I'm like, okay, I just need stability and then I'll have like monthly retainers. And then I'm like, I just need to be free or mm. I just want to work on like a pure passion project Mm -hmm. start uh, our podcast and then you know what I mean like it's such a delicate balance I think Mm -hmm. for the purpose I guess is the thing too yeah Yeah. and if we think about like everything is energy or the illusion of free will or the (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's an illusion of free will I think it's it is there is free will but you see it as an illusion I don't know I feel like confused on it, I guess, Mm -hmm. because there have been periods in my life when I have felt like I have not had any free will, like, um, uh, well, like, like the biggest one that happened was like, my mom got diagnosed with cancer. My sister has a developmental disability, you know, like I needed to, I live in British Columbia. They live in Ontario. I had to basically like walk away from my life or I didn't have to, it was my choice, but then in it, you know, like my role had shifted so much and, um, to, to be there for my mom and my family. But then by doing that, then I couldn't be there for like the rest of my life, which exploded at that time. 
And there were times when I just thought this is really fucking tough, Mm -hmm. but if I don't do this, I will regret it for the rest of my life, you know? And, and then once I had my dog there with me, I think she was like a little grounding force and just having like that daily like dog walk with her, like just brought like so much like grounding and, and things to it. Um, but I was also raised to like, not feel like, like never be a victim, never all those things, you know, but I was like, this is really fucking hard. And I, I think I just had so much anger inside of me, but I couldn't really let it out where I just felt like everything was happening to me. Mm. And then, yeah, I guess right then it would have been good to have a nice little mantra. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that it went, so even shifting your perspective around this is happening to me Mm -hmm. to see it as like, this is happening for me to step into a different role. That one is a really hard one though, because I think my mother dying has never felt like it was happening for me. Yeah, no, of course not. Or like, you know what I mean? Like that's Mm -hmm. like a really hard thing to reckon, Mm -hmm. but to be there in that present moment to like soak up all those last minutes of, of her Mm -hmm. like kind of physically being there. But that's kind of interesting too, because she had brain cancer. So it was like, she was in the physical form there for quite a while, but then she would go off to like really like far out places and come back. Like it was really Mm -hmm. interesting and a bit of a trip at times Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. The whole thing was like, I felt like I was also a bit in a, like a science experiment. (laughs) (laughs) I can't speak to that experience. I've never had someone pass Mm. that close to me in that, in that way. Or, um, I mean, I've experienced a lot of death, but nothing like that. Mm. But I, I do believe that death is a natural part of our cycle and our experience. And especially those deep ties with our family, because those are such deep ingrained, um, we chose our family as we come in here to who our parents are and who our siblings are. And, uh, you know, um, if your mom was still here, Adele would probably be with her. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Is my assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it would have, um, the path would have, maybe you would have had her here for a little bit, you know, but I feel like yeah, I w- what a gift yeah, Adele is here in your it, life yeah, too. Yeah. Right. And so maybe, your mom passing early was so that you and Adele could be reunited and build this beautiful relationship with one another. So this is like just shifting a bit of perspective. I could be totally off. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm just saying that like there's for sure ways to view it. In my mind, like Adele is my mom and mm. having Adele around and just the way she's been turned out, like her manners, her humor, like all of her one-liners, everything. Are very much like your mom's? A hundred percent. Oh, I love that. Yeah. My mom was really funny uh, <laughs> and kind of a boss, same as Adele. Yeah. And you too. You're funny and a boss. And uh, yeah, so I'm constantly thankful like for what a good job my mom did. Mm. And you know. Yeah. Like, what I, a gift that is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then like with the shifting of perspective, I'm constantly like, Oh, my mom died when I was 32. It felt like so young, but some people's parents die at birth. Some people's parents die when they're five years old, six years old, nine years old. You know what I mean? Like I had 32 years. I was able to know her, you know, like through the raising and then like to become like a friend. Do you feel there's any lingering resonance of her leaving you this early or like um, at this, like, is there leftover resonance of anger or frustration around her passing young in your life? I don't know. Like, so it's been 10 years now. Mm. I still have some like 
physical trauma. Like I was mountain biking and this girl crashed in front of me and she knocked herself out cold and I was right behind her. So I was the first one with her and she was just like, she wasn't really, um, well, she wasn't breathing. And then she started like sputtering and kind of like spitting out of her mouth. And I instantly went into like that traumatic cause that was those last moments when like my mom passed, mm-hmm. it, it was like that. And that brought like all that, like it was like super scary and I don't know, death is, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like just all the different layers of trauma. Like there's like the loss of like that person, but then the actual like winding down of a human of like every system in their body is such a crazy Scientifically, trip. it's very fascinating. And yeah. then the emotional and, to the, the person of that yeah. energy of love and the, the title that they've held for so long, your mother going through that, like the fade almost, I guess. So one of my self-worth things that is, I mean, I look back, I'm like, oh, that's convenient. <laughs> when I was five, my stepdad was leaving. I, I didn't know that um, my mom and him had, were bro- had broken up and he was jumping into a, a back of a truck on the skeedy and he was driving off and he was on his way to California to go do some, um, get his gyrocopter, I think they're called. They're basically helicopters without um, doors. They're like hollow, oh, yeah. you know, very bad, badass. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah in badass. the Congo. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, totally, yeah, kind of like like army style looking. They yeah. hang out with machine guns, kind of like that. But I don't think that's what he's doing. But um, and so I was like getting trying to get his attention. I'm standing there. I can still see it. I'm standing there waving at him, trying to be like bye, like say bye to me. I love you, bye. And he looked at me and he turned. He jumped in the truck and he drove away. Just got a little emotional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that was the last time I saw him. Mm-hmm. And um. But in that moment, what I took from that, what I, that I was like not worthy, I wasn't good enough to say goodbye to, and he left, I wasn't seen. And how perfect is that, that, you know, that just was more confirmation of not being seen, not being loved, not being worthy, all the things, right? And then um, he passed away in the gyrocopter. There was a malfunction and he got knocked out because the gyrocopter like did this like jerky thing and he crashed in the beaches of Mexico around in, um, just before Christmas. It was weird because my sister knew he died before the phone rang and told us that goes back to like my same Mm -hmm. karmic stuff. Right. Yeah. Whoops. Sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so that's why I was asking if there was still resonance around with your mom. What I find really interesting too about this, like when you're five years old, is that you are dealing with like a really grown up real life thing through the lens of a five-year-old eyes. Anything that happens to you as a child or you experience it and it's not explained to you properly. Totally. So then it's like stored in your body. Um, and because it's not like processed or explained or anything, then that's like a form of abuse, but which uh, I don't really like, like that kind of word. I, I like to me, what resonates is saying like it's, it's trauma that's stored in your body. Cause it's like yeah. unprocessed emotions. Um, and then it's like really confusing, which is like, exactly. You felt like he was leaving you. Mm-hmm. He wasn't mm-hmm. like your parents did break up, but he was like leaving to go do something else. Like, yeah. you know, and then, oh, that's really tragic. Have you done work to like shift that perspective or that narrative? Oh like, yeah, that's just in like life that work. Yeah, but do you <laughs> yeah. like go back to little crystal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I embrace I like that. I embrace yeah. that little badass light and <laughs> elder tight. But then it's interesting for shifting perspective because mm-hmm. you feeling such intense emotion at that age is probably like informed 
you know, who you are, like as a person, as, as a wife, as a friend, as a teacher, as a student, like it's, mm-hmm. it's so interesting. Oh yeah. It's like fascinating. The idea of this one was like shifting perspective. And I guess mm-hmm. it's just reminding people that they have choice mm-hmm. in the moment or. Yeah. Shifting perspective. I'd say choice in that moment, you have an option to react. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you want to react? So usually, you know, ideally you, you take a couple of breaths and you get calm because when you're in a heightened state of emotion, hence behind a car or, um, you know, in a interaction with a loved one or a friendship, if you get triggered, the trigger could stem from way back, right? From a conversation that you had a couple of weeks ago with that person and it hasn't been communicated and resolved. So it could be something as l- tiny little thing that now there's like this outburst. Well, first it's breakdown of communication, but that's another conversation. However, in that moment, it's like, what is the best outcome? How, what do you want to see and how, what steps do you take to see that that is met? Your highest self is presented, your highest integrity. Sometimes that's having a conversation after you've calmed down. Be like, you know what? I'm a little fiery right now. Let's have this conversation in a couple moments or even tomorrow or no, don't leave it till tomorrow. <laughs> don't go to sleep mad, right? That is that saying. Um, and I would say like, yeah, calm, calm yourself and choose that you might be reacting out of something other than what is presented. So that person is a little bit of a, a mirror and an, it's all an opportunity, an opportunity of a teaching Mm -hmm. life isn't happening to you. It's happening for you for the most part. And to be like, okay, maybe what's the lesson here? Mm -hmm. Maybe I could be a bit more compassionate. Maybe I could have patience here. (laughs) (laughs) Deep breaths, deep breaths. I like being really proactive with everything. So I think, okay, shifting perspective. If, if you're new to that, or if if somebody who has had a very challenging like beginning in life, like what do you think are really good tools to sort of help you process yep. and like move through some of like those old stored emotions? Totally. And cause maybe, um, you can't afford a therapist or maybe you don't have a, like, I feel like my tools are like, I talk about it with like all my friends or, um, I have been fortunate enough to like do a lot of like therapy and like different, um, like all different types of modalities, you know, from like body work to like talk therapy to just like mm-hmm. food, like, I don't know, like everything. There's so many different things, but what do you think is like the simplest tool? And I'm speaking from a yogic perspective. That's why you're here. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why we're here. That's why, that's why, why here. all of yeah. us are here. I'm coming from a yogic perspective and there's many different perspectives. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. So when clearing what we're talking about is karmas or patterns of, um, you know, these experiences we've had since different traumas from childhood and things like that, that we're re, um, creating in our life. The first step is noticing the patterns. So, and how you notice the patterns, it's if they're unhealthy, if they have a negative outcome or you leave feeling shitty or feeling like you have to apologize 
And do you think it just becomes familiar and that's when you start to notice the pattern? Yeah. And some people don't recognize the pattern when you're in it. It's harder. You have to have this, some sort of awareness that something's off and the, and the wanting to change or the wanting to heal the, you know, like you can't, it's like a, a, like a drug addict. You can't help them unless they want to help themselves. It's the same idea. You have to want to be able to evolve yourself and better yourself and really work on yourself. You have to get to that point, Mm -hmm. whatever, wherever stage that is for you. If you hit rock bottom or, or some of us like to stay in the bottom, but, um, and I've been there, I get it. So comfy. It's a comfy. Yeah. Cause (laughs) cause it's familiar. It's familiar because it's, um, it's what you experience is what you know as love, right? Mm Mm-hmm in many ways of what love or love, whatever love is for you. Oh, that's interesting. That's a whole other topic. It okay. is. There's lots of topics. Okay. So, so recognizing the pattern that doesn't serve you anymore. Right. So I have this thing. <laughs> I have this thing. I'll give you an example. I don't like it when people go off track of the way it's supposed to be. So there's like rules of life, right? There's rules of the road. There's rules of integrity to your word. If you say something, you go against that. I'm the first one to be like, well, wait a second. You're not integral to the word that you were, you know, you said, you vocalized. So I'm like that. I like it to be a certain way because of that. And when you break the rules, when it's out of integrity, that can bother me. Now, why does it have to be so by the book, right? Going rogue is a big one. I love to go rogue as well. So it's a funny kind of catch 22. So <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. It's like, well, wait a minute. Why did you break the rules? You said this, and now people are being affected by that because you changed it. Mm-hmm. This seems like a childhood thing that we can unpack later. Probably. Too. <laughs> oh my God. Isn't it all? But that, that is a childhood thing, right? So, so that, <laughs> so that's an issue. And so when it was like, but you said, that was my class, let's just say, yeah. And then you gave it to somebody else, but you gave my word, well, what? Like, then mm-hmm. there's irritation. Well, that's a pattern. That's being like, why can't you just let it go? Hari om, and just go with the rhythm. Like, there's yeah. this rigidness. So when there's rigidness or something that blocks you or irritates you and you don't feel good about it and you keep seeing that come up, then it's like, oh, there's a pattern. So that's more like, okay, this is a pattern. I'm going to choose to shift this pattern, recognize, but there's still an emotion component. You still feel the anger. You still feel the frustration. You feel, still feel the sadness. Then you're choosing to shift it. Okay. I feel you. I experienced that. Thank you. I'm going to choose this new way. I'm going to let that go and perhaps not be reactive. I'm like, you know what? It's all good. And the more you practice that, because it's a practice that starts to shift, that old pattern starts, stops showing up. And, uh, and then you're on to the next pattern that you get to shift. It's interesting though, too, because when you say that, like, I, I'm, I don't mean to like break apart your example, but no, do it. But in your example, I'm like, okay, well, you are internalizing your class getting taken away from you based on your history. And then you feel the irritation, which is from your history, you know, and then what do you do with it at that point? Because I often internalize it, keep it internal, like fire erupting instead of saying, um, oh, like, why did you change that? Like you had said that was my class and now you're taking it away from me. 
I feel like this. And then maybe they're like, oh, well, I just thought you couldn't do it because you're doing this other class and it like logistically, it didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's so funny. Like, are you good at in the moment asking in a non-combative way? Like why? Or do you feel like you internalize it and make up your own story and your own narrative, your own spin based on all of your historical experiences or both? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It is. I, I find it fascinating. Very fascinating. Um, when you're in it, when it's your own stuff, mm-hmm. it's harder to see it and process it. And that's what really is important to have, like, as you said, like have the tools to either talk with it through some, with somebody, like you've got a good girlfriend or good guy friend and like vocalize it. And sometimes just talking about it can help you hear it back. But it's also in the moment. It can be, but you can also step back and be like, okay, process. Okay. Now I'm going to communicate with a more clear mind of not that old way of mm -hmm. my story, bringing it to the table. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. I had a funny experience when I was talking to my therapist about this guy that I had just started dating and I can't even remember what happened and I was telling him all about it and I couldn't believe it. And then, uh, he said, Oh, did you tell him or did you ask him about that? And I said, of course not. I asked all of my girlfriends. I talked about it with like everybody except him, you know? And then I thought, Oh wow, there's some interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I had like, or like those conversations you have, like after the fact, like I should have said this, 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 and this, Mm. Uh, but I didn't, I was like, uh, you know, I was uh, triggered back into that primary state where I was just super quiet. Like I was like that little girl still beside the door of my bedroom listening, you know, with my ear against the door, listening to my parents fight. Like I like go into like when they say like fight, flight, or fight or flight, freeze. I think it's like freeze, flight, or fight maybe. Okay. I've got, um, I'm a bit of like a freeze fly, flyer, I think. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's got to be like against someone else or uh, me standing up for someone else where I'll like go into fight mode. Otherwise, I'm just like, peace them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, mic drop, I'm gone. You're a flyer? I'm usually a fighter, but I find that that um, has gotten me into a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like standing up for the little guy or uh-huh. pattern there's a pattern yeah, right yeah. there Joan of Arc on yeah, the yeah. on the hunt see my light motherfuckers <laughs> yeah hear me roar oh man yeah yeah well okay how my little sister has down syndrome and so she like I've been her protector and like her um interpreter and everything like my whole life and I did like some some deep work once and um it was like a series of like breath work like gestalt like anyways it was like all these things in one I got into this very like angered state all the anger that came out obviously like directed to my dad but it was all about my sister like it was just like like I didn't even really have anger like for me I was like what I don't even care about me like you do whatever you want but like when you mess with her like it like it doesn't make sense primal yeah because that is just like hard stop black, white, like who messes Protective, I know. with uh, Adele. And a lot of, <laughs> and, right? And, but it's funny because a lot of people are that way around their own ego of, mm. an ego meaning who they are, like threatening who you are in the world, right? And that comes up all the time of like, mm-hmm. you know, speaking bad about you. Mm-hmm. Of course, then do you, do that a you lot? react. Speak poorly of me? <laughs> I don't think I've said one bad thing about you my entire, really, our entire Likewise, relationship. that's nice. Nicole, my girlfriend, and I talk about it um, 
We're like, when you explain somebody, you're like, oh, they're really nice. Like they're like the nicest person I've ever met. And Nicole and I, one day we were talking about someone, you know, when someone comes into your circle and then they leave, like actually physically, and then they leave and you say something about them. Like, oh, they're the best or whatever. We're like, oh my God, she's so nice. And her and I look at each other and we started laughing and we're like, neither of us are ever going to be explained like that, that, oh my God, (laughs) she's so nice. That's not who, like, that's not who we are. Oh man. We're like the fire ones. In my early twenties, I had this friend, Justin, and I think he'd maybe had a couple cocktails and he just looked at me and he said, I love you, Andrea. And I said, of course, of course you do. Like, why wouldn't you? And he goes, I know a lot of people that don't love you. Oh, (laughs) that was a very Adele response. That's, and because I've grown up my whole life with Adele, I laughed it was like, yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Like I couldn't believe it. Like it's still like 20 something years later. I'm like, that is so fucking funny. That is funny. No, yeah. I honestly, anyone that meets me now, like from, they knew me from the Amsterdam days, like the bar in Whistler I used to work at and firecracker. Oh man, I was a bitch. And, uh, then I come, you know, come back now and people are like, Oh, I know you from Whistler and the Amsterdam. I'm like, the first thing I do is apologize. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry because I was an asshole to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Fire, funny. Pure, well, ego and early twenties uh, and well, it is, alcohol. It's funny <laughs> though our narrative because you're still holding on to that as like, uh, and those are probably like protection, like enchantments you have like all around you and like armor and and everything. Um, Ooh, enchantments! I like that. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, <laughs> and uh, but. I actually think I would always say that you're nice. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Really, Andre? You don't... It, my first... You, it's not maybe my first word. My first word is passionate. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Nice isn't the first word that comes to mind when you... I'm sure when you think about me. Yeah. Most people actually don't really say that about me either. But it's... But that's more from like... Or my thought of that is more from me as a child because I'm a middle child. I was super challenging and my mom was pretty strict and probably, you know, I don't know, being raised in the eighties, like said a lot of things to try to like make me not a nightmare, but then it (laughs) created a lot of different stories like Mm. within it. Yeah. It's interesting. My, she was visiting me once in, uh, well, she did more than once, but one time she was in Whistler. And so I'm like in my early twenties and, uh, she was talking to a friend of mine and I don't even remember if she, I don't even think she'd had a couple drinks, but she was just going off about what a awful teenager I was. Oh, that's fun. And I didn't really take it in. Like, I just thought, oh, that's really interesting. And now telling you this story all the time later, I'm like, oh, that's like for her, like unprocessed. Like that was major. I moved out. Like basically, you know, I started college when I was 17. Like that was like stuff that we weren't really able to sort of fully heal or process or like move through, you know, Mm because I left the house and then I went on to sort of like become my like my more like independent self, you know, but then she didn't really get to, when I was 21, I wrote her a letter and I said, dear mom, really sorry for 15 to present day. (laughs) I did the same thing. Actually, well, I called them and I apologized. Yeah. But my, um, my, I have two moms, my other mom, (laughs) my number two mom, she was saying something similar. My last last visit, the visit before that. And like something like a little triggering in in the way, like, oh, you were so difficult and like what, and gave some examples. And in my mind, I was like, well, I'm sure you had a part of that. Like it was kind of like, well, there's two people here in the relationship and I'm pretty sure that wasn't all on me. Like, I'm pretty sure I was most likely reacting 
to the assholeness that you were as well as I'll take responsibility on my end, but don't think that it's just all me because that's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's good though. Well, you should, have you had that conversation with her as an adult? No, I chose to just not react and let it go. Mm-hmm. Like I heard it and I was like, huh, that doesn't seem right. And then I was like, whatever. But that's also didn't compa- affect me. But that's also compassion for yourself. Yeah. So that you don't like... Also, you're a teenager. Like, you're not a fully formed person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't be tried in a court of law as an adult because yeah. you're not one. <laughs> you know? Thank goodness for that. So oh, you don't man. have to carry that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's some things that you can choose to react to and some things you just don't have, You just don't need to. I was like, I don't need to open up this kind of worms. I've healed myself from it. That's the big part about clearing the karmas mm-hmm. is you, I would say that as you work on yourself, you can't wait for someone else to apologize and say sorry to you. You have to find your own sense of peace within an experience of healing. Mm-hmm. Cause if you're going to wait around for someone else to apologize for you to find that healing and that like sense of peace within yourself because of it, you be, you can wait around for lifetimes. hundred percent. Cause I think for me, like the whole topic of this thing is shifting perspective. Mm. And I think for me, when I was really able to do that in my life was when I was able to have compassion with myself for who I may have been then, but I'm not that now. And I can see all the things that led up for me to have acted that way. Doesn't mean now that I see that I can't unsee it. Like if I could go back, it would be different, but all I can do is change today forward. Absolutely. Carrying that. Compassion's a big one. Yeah. 100%. To close off, shifting perspective, free will, compassion, what is a mudra or like a really quick get you into your body when you can kind of feel like the world's closing in on you or when you feel like you don't have a choice or you feel like, you know, there's like you're carrying a really heavy load. Mm -hmm. The first breath mudra that comes to mind is actually simha mudra, which is the lion's breath, because what it, how I feel it in my body is this little bit of like, it's either anger or frustration. Um, and that type of energy needs to be moved. So we want to release it so that we can again be in that calm place to be able to move forward as the best version of ourselves, the best choices to move forward. So if we're in that kind of rigidy, stuck, old pattern way of being, uh, we need to shift the energy to be able to, you know, take a couple steps forward in the right direction um, towards the spirit. So Simha Mudra is sticking out your tongue, opening your jaw as wide as possible and turning your gaze up into the third eye. And you let almost like a ha sound. So it doesn't have to be loud, like strong on the vocal cords. It can be more of like you're fogging up a mirror in front of you, like that ha um, that is a little stronger, right? Yeah, like a Mm -hmm. And by opening your jaw really wide and sticking out your tongue as long as possible, the jaw has this connection to the hips. The hips have the connection to your uh, root of your, like muladhara, we call it, which is the first foundation of who you were in this world. So young age, about one to seven years old of how you feel that you're learning how to be in the world. And this is where a lot of that old belief and trauma and, and stuff can, can be learnt and, um, held. So by releasing this, we're helping to shift the old into the new. Let's do it. Okay. Inhale fully. (sighs) 
how many is there <laughs> is there a magic number for how many you should do at a time? As many as you feel. Like start with three. Three I find is like the a magic, magic number. number. But yeah. it's also the number of drama. I've never heard that. Okay. Yeah. Well, in yoga, the yoga perspective, three is like the beginning, middle, and end of the cycle. Ooh. It's Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. So it's the creation, sustainability, and completion or death. So the three is kind of what how where we take it from. All right. Three lion's breath starting now. <sighs> rush yeah you feel that yeah yeah i feel a little lightheaded <laughs> yeah i like it this is the daily practice podcast with crystal borelli and andrea holman and what do you think just tools to help you move in the world tools to help you move in the world Hadiom. yeah life teachings life practices good luck <laughs> <laughs> Om Hari Om Hari Om Hari Om This is the Daily Practice podcast with Crystal Borelli and Andrew Hellman. If you want to check us out on the World Wide Web, our website is thedailypractice.life. And on there, we have all kinds of resources, but we have a free full moon course. It's about an hour long. There's a yoga practice, pranayama. You'll learn a mantra as well as story time and all taught by Crystal Borelli. Hurry on.